my goodness. Happy Father's Day. How fun was that, huh? Anybody actually hear those come out of your dad's mouth growing up? Yeah, anybody hear that? You guys can finish this one. I brought you into this world. Oh, you guys can finish it. I brought you into this world. And I can take you out of this world. Um, well, way to go, dads. Today's title is called Everyday Hero. And that's just really, we, we kind of looked at dads and said, every dad wants to be a hero every day. Hero in the workplace, hero with his family, hero to his kids, especially um, at home. And while this is a day of celebration, um, it is also, um, it's also a painful topic for some of us in the room. And I, we just need to acknowledge that because many of us, we had absent fathers, if you're like me. Didn't know my dad growing up very well. I talked to him once a year, got a card from him once a year, um, my whole time until he passed away about seven years ago. Some of us, we had awful dads and an awful father figure at, at home. And, um, uh, you know, some of us were heroic um, single moms. And some of you are just absolute heroes. And you, you wish you had someone alongside you to raise your kids and to help raise your kids. And this, so today is not necessarily a, a great celebratory day, yet there's something powerful about about dads. And we're going to speak into that today. I want to talk about that. And you know, one of the questions that kind of comes up is in Scripture, God is always referred to as God the Father. Why isn't he referred to as God the Mother? You know, God has feminine qualities. Um, it's like he created men and women both in his image. But God is, is referred to in Scripture as God the Father. Why is that? Well, I don't, I don't know really, but one of, the, one of the theories is because there's just a power that comes with dads. There's a power with dads. That's why our moms can really tick us off, but she can't jack us up like our dads can, right? I mean, it's like that's just the reality of it. Um, it's like we get upset at mom and we get mad at mom, but we go off the rails at dad. Dads can send us off the rails um, because of an absent or an unhealthy father relationship. And you find that in Scripture, dads are kind of called out in the Bible in Ephesians 6, 2 through 4. It says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, which is interesting. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. You want to know, it's like, wow, how do people live above 100 years old? How does that happen, 110 um, years old? There's actual people that live that long. They must have really honored their fathers and mothers really, really well. Um, but it's like there's a promise attached to that. But then verse 4, fathers, were addressed specifically, dads, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And this kind of calls dads out. Why? Because dads can provoke anger and hostility and bitterness to a more extreme degree than moms can, don't they? It's like, I'm telling you, I have four kids. I got a 16-year-old, 14-year-old boys, 11 and 9-year-old girls. And you can talk to them. I am a, I'm really good at provoking anger. I'm just good at it, way better than my wife. My wife is an amateur anger provoker in our house. It's like, I win, hands down, I'm the best, I'm the I'm the winner way up here. She's way down here. Dads have this ability to do that. So scripture speaks into that. Well, what's interesting is it's difficult being a man in today's culture because there's so many competing values and competing messages that we get. It's confusing what we hear regularly. Dads in our culture today, they're, they're portrayed as, as dolts, as um, unnecessary. Um, manhood is, is really under assault in a lot of ways. We have extended boyhood into young and middle 30s. I don't know if you know this, but we don't expect our young boys to act like men till they're in their 30s, mid-young 30s. We kind of go, okay, now it's time to start growing up. Um, and that's why marriages, people are getting married way later in their 
their life now. Um, people are having kids way later in their life now. Very different from even 20 years ago. Um, back when I got married, 21 years ago, I was 24. My wife was 23. And we were, we were kind of in, in that age, kind of considered a little on the young side, even back then, because marriage has been kind of being pushed back because we have allowed our young boys to stay boys until they're in their young to mid-30s. And I want to speak into that today a little bit, into, into being a man and being a dad, because there, there are three things that I want to talk about at the heart of a man and at the heart of God um, that he has placed in you as a man. I'm going to speak to you as guys, and, and you'll find this applies to every single one in the room, but it's Father's Day, and I want to really highlight this because there's a difference in, in men than women, and there's a difference in a man's heart than a woman's heart, um, but God put into the heart of men, into the heart of dads, these marks of manhood, these marks of a man, and when a man lives up to those, when a man has those active in his heart and in his life, there's a power there that is unlike any power on the planet. And there's two books that have influenced me on this topic. One is called Wild at Heart. It's by John Eldridge. And I remember reading that book many, many years ago, and I was on the edge of my seat with every page because all of a sudden I'm reading a book that's talking about me as a man and what a man looks like and what a man does, what's missing in most men in our culture, and what God, how God wants to fill that in and create something new in us. And I just remember it was a page turner. It just filled me up from a soul level. And uh, a second book is, is called um, Five Marks of a Man by a guy by the name of Brian Tome. And you can see the byline there. It just says a simple code that separates men from boys. And I would just encourage you to read either one of those two books. They're absolutely fantastic. But I just know for me, as I've heard these guys speak and I've read those books, they've really shaped some of my view on this. And I'm kind of using them as, as a springboard um, off of to really speak into our men and our dads today. But along with that, I also want to use kind of the greatest source material ever, and that is Scripture. Um, God speaks into the heart of a man. Um, God speaks into uh, guiding our lives, into giving us guideposts to navigate um, kind of through life as men, what that looks like. And I want to get into that because unfortunately, I don't believe that the church has led men well. There's actually a book out called Why Men Hate Church. There's an actual book about that. And one of their main findings is just most men think church is for women and children because there's no adventure there, there's no battle to fight, there's no, um, they're, they're, they're just told to sit down and be proper and be nice men. And I'll just tell you that, that, that Kensington is not that church, in case you're wondering. We are a church that is for men. And if you want to know my heart, I think men should come to church. And I think men should come to church not to learn how to be a nice guy. Men should come to church not to learn how to be a good person. Those are good things. But rather, I think men should come to church because if they come to church, they're going to find the mission that God created them for. If you want to know the mission that God has for you, you're going to find it here. Um, you need to come to church to fight the battle that God designed you to fight. You need to come to church to find out the adventure that God has designed for you from before you were born. And just so you know, God has an adventure planned for your life. He dreamed up before you came into this world. And I'll give you a scripture to back that up later. But I think men need to be in church. Most guys, if they don't go to church and you tell them that's what they'll find here, they'll laugh in your face. But let me just tell you if, you, if you pick up this book and you begin reading it and you're a man in this room, you will find between the covers of this book almost on every page, God is speaking into you about your life and your future and it being different than your past has been in the most positive way possible. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, so I want, to give you, I want to give you three phrases today that are the marks of a man um, and the marks of a dad. They're at the heart of every man, whether you're 13 years old or 70 years old. God put them there for you to come alive when they're active inside of you. And the first thing that every man needs, the first mark of a man, is he needs a battle to fight. 
He's a battle to fight. Every man in this room needs a battle to fight. Now, women have this in them, but it's a little different for a man. There's, there's something about a battle to fight that's hardwires into men, in, hardwired into men. You see it as, as a young age. You, uh, you can give uh, two girls a couple of Barbies, and what are they going to do with them? They're going to have them talk and meet each other and, and have conversation and cook meals together and build a relationship. You give two Barbies to boys, even if they're two girls, they're going to be fighting, kicking, punching, farting, and then ripping them apart and throwing them at each other. Like, that's what this does. That's just natural. Boys have this hardwired into them. It's been proven scientifically. Aggression is more dominant in men. There's a thing, there's something inside of a man that just says, I'll fight for what I believe in. I don't mind fighting for what I believe in. I'm going to draw a line in the sand, and, and you're not going to cross this line. And if you do, there's going to be problems that are going to come your way if you do that. And it comes from the image that we were created in. And I love this about God. It's why we're created in God's image. Look at how he describes himself in Exodus 15, 3. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Part of the image of God is warrior. Man, you were created in that image. Think Braveheart. Think Gladiator. Think Thor. Think this guy. Okay, that's what you're thinking when you think about that. I'm just kidding. Scratch Alaska. But there's just an innate desire to fight for something in men, to be victorious, to be the hero to the people that love us and the people that we love. And, and this really speaks into a sense of purpose and significance that God wants to pour into us, of fighting for your family, of fighting for injustices in the world. As a dad, we fight for the values in our home. We fight to lead our families in a, in a lot of ways. We fight for our kids. We fight for our wives. We fight to provide for them. And when a, a man fights, it's a powerful thing to watch. In my mid-20s, I was a part of a small group at this little church we were at. And the guy who led it was a guy by the name of Chip Rasher. And for the first time in my life, in my mid-20s, I saw a man that was willing to fight for what he believed in. And I remember during that time, and he tells this story, and it's such a good story. He lived in a little town called Ortonville, Michigan, which is where our small group was. And it was about the size of Winter Garden uh, about five years ago. And I've told this story just a couple times in the past. But they wanted to bring an adult bookstore into the downtown area. And I'm talking about movies, viewing rooms, the whole nine yards that comes along with an adult bookstore. And no one was doing anything about it. And it was moving. It would be like it is literally the equivalent of an adult bookstore going into downtown Winter Garden or downtown Windermere. How would you feel about that? What would you think about that? Could that ever happen? You'd say, no way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand for that. Well, no one was doing anything in the town of Ortonville about this until Chip heard about it. He had three young boys who lived two miles away. And he just he, he went up to the store while they were building it before they opened and he sat down with the guy and he said you're not bringing this into my town and the guy said oh yes I am I've already got the approvals it's a done deal we just got to finish building and we're opening up and he gave him the date and Chip just said you're not opening this up in my town it's two miles from my house and I've got three young boys at home this is I'm not going to stand for this and the guy said good luck well Chip goes out and starts rallying other men in that town that felt the same way and started pulling them together started doing petitions called town halls started meeting with every single official in that town that made that decision and was relentless over the course of the next three months. He put, he and this group of people that he pulled together put so much pressure on the officials of this town and this bookstore owner that they actually moved that store from that town to another town down the road that wouldn't fight to get it out of there. And they opened it up there. And I remember hearing that story and going, oh my gosh, I can't believe somebody actually did that. And it's like, I love Chip. He was a great small group leader. But man, when I'm like, this guy's willing to fight. 
This guy's willing to take on a battle and do what is right and put a line in the sand and say, you will not cross this line. And he's willing to go wherever God directs him and put his life on the line, put his, put his heart on the line to do what is right. It blew me away. That's what happens when a man is willing to battle for what is right for his families. It's like you pick up the Bible and you find battle after battle. And I'm just not, I'm not talking just about bloodshed. I'm talking about mission and purpose and something to fight for. Um, it's like when you read the Bible, when you open up the pages of this book, what you find is that there's already a battle going on for you and I to join. We're already a part of it. If I could literally pull back the veil of reality, what you would see is that there's a spiritual war happening right now. And it is a battle between good and evil. And you know who they're fighting for? Your life and my life. And it is, it is Satan and his army against God and his army, and they are battling it right this very minute. And you and I are a part of that battle, whether you realize it or not. And you can go through life with your hand over your eyes and just going, la, 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 there's nothing like that. Or you can realize that that's happening this very minute, and you can join the battle. That's one of the fights that God calls us to. You see it in Jesus. When Jesus was on this earth, um, you may have heard this story. He goes into the temple, and people had turned the temple, God's house, God's church, into a place where they were selling and making money off of poor people and off of people, and they had turned it into a, uh, basically a shopping mall inside the church. Well, Jesus goes into this temple, and he is like throwing over tables. He, is, he gets a whip, and he's whipping a whip around there, and he's driving people out, and he says this. He says, my father's house is not a den of robbers, because he, why did he do that? Because he was on mission. He's willing to take up the battle and fight for what he believed in and fight for God. Jesus was not this mamby-pamby guy. He stood up for what was right and he was willing to go toe-to-toe with the leaders of that day, drawing lines in the sand and fighting for his father's name and fighting for his father's house. And I'll just tell you this, if a man doesn't have a battle, doesn't have a mission, doesn't have a vision for his life, he becomes a passive, withdrawn man. He is checked out. And women, I'm just telling you, you don't like men like that. And you might for a little bit because, oh, he's so communicative and he's so nice and he's so gentle. But at some point you're going to go, I just want him to fight for something. Why? Because every one of us as men need a battle to fight. And when we fight it, we come alive in ways that only, we only come alive when God gives us that battle and we take it on. And so let me just tell you what I dream for every man, man that calls this church home, every dad in here. I don't want people out there in our, in our community saying, wow, what a nice group of domesticated men you have there at church. I don't want them saying that. I don't want them saying, man, they're so gentle and meek and communicative. I mean, they really talk. They do such a good job of talking. Not that that's bad. I don't mind them saying that, but you know what I'd rather have them say? I would rather have them say, what's going on with your men? They're on mission all the time. They're constantly standing up for what's right. They're constantly making waves in communities for the better. They're constantly speaking up about God. What do you got in the water over there? That's what I hope people would say about the men that call Kensington home because that's what God wants to do is change the world through you because you are willing to fight the battles that are worth fighting that God's called you to fight, that God needs someone to step up and fight. So here's the question for you guys in the room. What in your life are you fighting for right now that breathes life into you? What are you fighting for 
right now that makes you come alive? What mission are you on that's bigger than yourself, that's bigger than your pocketbook, that's bigger than your bank account, that's bigger than just you? What mission are you, are, are you on that's bigger than yourself? What battle is God calling you to fight for your family, for your marriage, for your kids, and in this world with its injustices? And are you willing to take up that fight? Because if you do and when you do, there is nothing like a man fighting the battle that God has called him to. Second phrase that is a mark of a man that is a need in a man's heart is a beauty to protect. It is not enough for a man just to be the hero. He wants to be the hero to the woman he loves and the kids that he has and the people that are counting on him because men are protectors. Men are protectors. I heard the story of a man whose, whose son has fell into a riptide and he jumped out of his boat and battled the riptide. He was a decathlete and swam and swam and swam and swam so hard, was able to save his son and get him back in the boat. But he, his adrenal glands were wide open for so long as he strained against the riptide that it actually did permanent liver damage to him. And I guarantee you that if you were to ask that man, hey, would you do that again, what would his answer be? Heck yeah, I would. I don't care how much damage I'd do that. There's another story last year in New Jersey um, of a man whose son and two friends were, were out playing at the beach, got caught in a riptide, and he went in after them and battled and battled and battled and was able to save both boys um, after swimming almost to exhaustion, came in, took two steps once he got on the beach, and then died of a heart attack immediately. And I will just say this, that is a dream death for every dad in this room. Dream death. That's not a dad in here that wouldn't. If it's your time to go, you wouldn't want to go like that. You'd want to go like that. Protecting, giving up your life for the people that God's called you to protect. Because a dad is a protector, fortunately or unfortunately, right? None of us are probably going to die that way. But dads protect. When my girls, when they start coming of age and they start bringing boys home, when they bring that boy over, I will guarantee you I will be sitting at our kitchen table cleaning out my 12-gauge shotgun. That's what I'm going to be doing when they bring that boy over for the first time. And I do that for a very specific reason. I want them to know that that's my little girl and I'm protecting her and I will protect her with my life. So tread lightly with what you do with her and treat her with honor because this gun works. Why? Because what am I called to do? Protect. And I'm going to protect my little girls with my whole life. My son, he's got, he's got his first girlfriend, and, and, and we've got some very unpopular rules in our house. And one of our rules is, is that he and his girlfriend, they don't go upstairs by themselves, and they don't go in his bedroom ever. Uh, just the two of them, ever, 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 ever. And, uh, and, and you know, it's not, not a popular rule in today's culture. But I just tell him, I'm like, look, I was a 16-year-old boy once, right? I, I, I lived that life. I know what it's like, and, and I want to make sure, I want to protect you from getting into a situation where temptation outweighs wisdom. That's my job to protect. It's my job to put rules and boundaries in our home that are protection-oriented so that I can do what God has called me to do. I protect my beauties, protect my family, protect the people in my life that I care about. I love one of our global partners in Nepal. You know what they do? They sit on the border of Nepal because there's young girls being trafficked across the border every single day. And they've been trained and they know exactly what it kind of looks like when a girl's being trafficked, kind of what's coming through the border. And they know how to spot them. And they sit on the border and they watch it. Every day they're pulling girls that are being trafficked uh, from the border. And they're rescuing them and they're putting them into homes where they can meet Jesus and grow up. And typically they go back to their, their own villages and they start churches back there to reach some of the very people that stole them. Them and sold them into slavery, they want to go reach. 
There's a group of men in Nepal that are literally giving up their lives, putting their lives on the line to save these young girls. Men, we are to protect our wives. We're to protect our marriages from the all-out assault that's happening in our culture. Marriage is under attack. Satan will do anything to destroy your marriage. Men, it's up to us to protect that. We are to fight and protect what God has given us. We're to protect it with our very lives. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. I love this passage, Ephesians 5.25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. What did Jesus do? He died for the church. We're called to die for our wives. Marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why? To protect us and save us from an eternity apart from God. And I love this. It's like while we were still sinners, before you even cared about God, before you even had an idea that he loved you, he had, he's already given up his life for you. For the hopes that you would accept him someday. That your debt has already been paid. Why did he do it? To protect us from Satan's schemes and attempts to destroy us. Jesus gave up his life, even if you never acknowledge it. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. As dads, we have written into our genetic code to provide and protect. It is written into us. It's a mark of a man. It's the mark of a dad. God has given you your wife and your children and your marriage to protect with your life. So the question is, men, are you protecting the beauties, your loved ones in your life? Are you protecting those that can't protect themselves because there's something that comes alive in a man? when he protects those that God has called him to protect. We need a battle to fight, we need a beauty to protect. And last need of every man, last mark of a man, is every man needs an adventure to live. As men, we long to live an adventure. John Eldridge in Wild at Heart, he says the recipe, recipe for fun is easy for boys. Add to any activity an element of danger, stir in a little bit of exploration, add a dash of destruction, and you've got yourself a winner. Your boy will love every bit of whatever you're about to do. And I'll just tell you, I love all four of my kids, but especially um, with my boys, they're pretty fearless. Um, and we have all, what we have always done with them is we've encouraged risk, and we have encouraged adventure in their lives. We have constantly um, said, hey, go right ahead. Our, our boys want to climb trees. We go, hey, climb it and see how high you can get. And when they get as high as they think they can go, I think you go a little bit higher. I've had my kids be so high up in trees that I'm praying that God will allow the branch not to break because I'm so afraid because they're like, they're moving like five feet as the wind. Dad, I can see the curve of the earth up here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, but it's like I'm scared inside, but I want to continue to push and open them up to adventure, to risk because there's something that comes alive when a, when a young boy or, or as men, we take on an adventure and we take on some risk. Another thing that we do with all of our, with all of our kids, specifically our boys, is we're constantly encouraging them to like jump off of things, okay? Okay? Like, hey, grab this trash bag, jump off the roof, see if it works. You know, let's just give it a shot. We like that. We've always encouraged them on vacations. When we go to lakes and stuff, we went to this lake in Kentucky about four or five years ago, and we found this big rock cliff. And, and I'm like, hey, dude, guys, you know, go climb that up. And Travis, he's our 14-year-old. He's like our daredevil. He climbs up about halfway and jumps off. And then Garrett gets a little bit, you know, enough strength after seeing Travis do it. Garrett will go up there, and he jumps off. And, I, and I'm like watching him do this a few times. And then I look up and to the right, and there's this other ledge like way up 
up like almost double the height that they're at. And I'm like, Travis, look up to your right. Go up that way. And he's like, really, Dad? I'm like, yeah, dude, you can do this. And so they climb up there. And once they get up there, I'm like, oh, man, that's really high. And I'm like, Travis, jump out far enough that you don't hit the rocks, please. Because I have no idea what I just sent them to go do. So they're jumping off. And then Garrett jumps off. And then our girls, they want to be involved. They jump off. Well, that's kind of been a theme for us. Last year, we went, we, uh, with the help of some incredibly generous friends, we actually took our whole family to the Bahamas. And we had heard about this rock cliff that you could climb up and jump off back into the water. And so we're like, hey, let's go over there. And of course, we pull the boat up there. And, uh, you know, Travis, he's our daredevil. He gets off and he's climbing about halfway up and jumping off. And we're like, that's so cool. And I'm like, go all the way up, you know. And Melissa's like, don't go all the way up, you know. And so I'm like, no, you can do it. And so he climbs up and he jumps off. And sure enough, Garrett is like climbing the cliff up, cliff up after him. And he jumps off and, and, and they do that for a while. And then my girls, they're just like, we want to do it too. So my little eight-year-old Avery is climbing this sheer rock face up 15, 20 feet to jump back into the water, you know. And, and they get up there and I'm just like, Travis, do a backflip, you know. And then Melissa's like, don't do a backflip. And I'm like, cut it out, do a backflip. And he never did. But, but I got a video of it just to show you. It's like what happens when you live a life there and just kind of encourage your boys and your kids to just have this part of them that opens up when they do this. And this is them jumping off the cliff last summer, which I love. It was just so fun to see my kids do stuff that, you know, I probably wouldn't do, to be honest with you. But it's like I want them to do it because I want them to have this sense of fearlessness, not stupidity, by the way. Just fearlessness of I can do things that might look harder, that might be scary. And it's, it's been super fun. And I push them to do that. Because when the time comes that God invites them on an adventure with him, that they've taken enough risks by that point in their life that they're willing to trust God with one more. That they learn to live a life that's not based on fear and security and comfort, but based on adventure and risk and, and, and moving when God says move. And I'm just telling you, it's one of the reasons we moved here nine years ago when God said, I want you to go to Florida and start a church. And we're like, we don't know anybody in Florida. Mickey, we know Mickey. We're just like, you know, got down to what do we want to say to our kids when God asks you to do it? Just say no if it's too hard or say no if it's too far and say no if you don't know anybody. Or do we want to tell them that as they grow up, hey, we want to live a life of adventure doing whatever God has asked us to do. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like for years they were like, why did we move from Michigan to Florida? And I'm just like, well, you tell me why. And they will tell you still to this day it's because God asks us to. And, I, and what's really cool is being down here nine years, I'm never going back to Michigan, partly because you have to drive through Ohio to get there, and I hate that place. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, that's just, it's just a reality. It's like, man, that's what God asks us to do. Live out adventures for him. Are you willing to do that? Um, you know, one of my life verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. They're plans to give you a future and a hope and an epic adventure. And let me just say this, Jesus does not promise our lives will be safe and our lives will be convenient and our lives will be easy if we follow him. In fact, he actually says the, the opposite. He says, hey, if you follow me, um, there's going to be a battle to fight. Hey, if you follow me, you're going to have to step into a role of protector. And you're going to have to protect people that can't protect themselves. And it starts with your family, but it moves outside of the four walls of your home pretty quickly. If you're going to follow me, I've got some adventures that I've planned from before you were born that I'm longing for you to take. And I'm longing for you to take your whole family. 
along as well. Romans 8, 15 in the message version, and I love this version. It says, this resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And I'll just tell you, this speaks into what God does with us as far as our identity. You know what we do as dads? We speak into our children's identity. God speaks it into us. We speak it into them. And then as they grow up and begin to hear God's voice, God speaks it into them so that they can speak it into their kids. And we know we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. When we live this way, dads, the impact is felt for generations. I've always loved this quote. And it's the most important thing you do for the kingdom of God. It may not be something you do, but it's someone you raise. That might be the most important thing you do for the kingdom of God. It's not even what you do. It's what your kids do because of the influence you had on them and that God had on you. And so I want you to watch a video of the power of, of, uh, that a dad, even a stepdad, can have on a young man that will impact for generations. And while we watch that, we're going to receive our offering, so you guys can come on forward. And um, for those of you that are new here, let the basket go by. We're grateful you're here. Thank you for spending part of your Father's Day with us. For those of you that um, have been coming for a while, this is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with. This is where we say, thank you, God. We trust you for our future, even in our resources. And so we give back to God. And for those of you that give online, thank you for that. We're so blessed that you're on this journey with us from a financial standpoint. And then while we're doing that, let's, let's listen to a story about the impact of, of a stepdad on a young man. Growing up, I never really knew my dad, my biological father. And so that was something that was really tough growing up because everybody that I knew in my neighborhood, they had a, a mom and a dad. And it was kind of awkward because it's like, well, I just have my mom. That really established a great bond between me and my mom because it was just us. Like it was me and her against the world and that was just like what we were doing. And then when I was five, she met, um, she met a guy. He had an opportunity to literally just focus on my mom and concentrate on my mom and making her happy, but he saw me there and he intentionally took the time out to make sure that I was cared for and making sure that I was okay. And he made it known from the beginning that that was something that he wanted to do and that he wanted to participate and just being in my life. And he never really wanted to exclude me. And I hear a lot of people give me stories about how they really felt excluded by like, you know, their new dad coming in. And he always sacrificed comfort and finances and everything just to make sure that I felt included. And so I think that was the, probably the biggest thing throughout my life. Him making sure that I was included and making sure that I was valued and that I was respected as like an active participant in the family, he, that's how he earned the title of dad. I would say that I've seen my dad fight for me 
and my family just by consistently encouraging me and always making sure that he knew that I knew that I was great and that I was, I was eligible for greatness. He would always tell me, you can do anything and don't allow anyone to tell you that you can't. And that's something that really shaped me because confidence is something that is a struggle for all of us, myself included, but whenever I can get a hold of my dad, he's just like, listen, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do this. You know who you are. This is like, you know, you're, you're my kid. Like, this is who you are. You're gonna be great because I said you're gonna be great. That's who God made you to be and that's who you are. He always told me to make sure that I always treat people not just the way that I wanted to be treated, but to treat people the way that God treats me. He modeled Christ in the way that he treated others. It really has shown me what a real man is and what a real man does when, when the chips are down. And not even just a real man or a real father, but just a real leader. Being a leader is really a response. And being a leader is all about how you respond. And so that's allowed me to pretty much be there for any and everyone that I can be there for, whether that's as um, a ministry leader or as just a friend to someone. I always think to myself, you know, this is something that my dad would fight for. This is something that my dad would, would want to help someone with and so because of that I always um I always want to make sure that I'm always there for someone especially when they need it what an unbelievable role being a dad is like a dad that's engaged it just has impact for generations and so dads, I just have a couple questions for you at the end of the day. And this is not to, this is not to discourage you or, to, or to, to push down on you or to put you down in any way. It's just a matter of going, hey, sometimes we need a just reminder of, of what we're here for and what will fill us up. And so one of the things that fills us up is, is really just answering this question. Do you have a battle that you're fighting right now that God has called you to that is worth your life? Or is there, is it, what is it that God has asked you to fight for and your family is counting on you to fight for? Are you protecting the people in this world that God has put around you that can't protect themselves? Are you protecting your family that is battling against the current of our culture that is trying to really destroy them and pull them apart? Are you, are you protecting them from that? Are you battling for them and, and, and helping them through that? And are you living out the adventure that God has called you to that you are called to lead your whole family on? Are you, are you stepping into that? Do you know what that is? And I'll just say this to you. If you don't have an answer to all three of those questions, you know where you go to get those answers. You go to God. God, what's, what do you have for me? What's the adventure? And I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter how old you are. God still has an adventure for you for the rest of your life. But you ask God, God, what is it? God, am I protecting who you want me to protect right now? God, am I fighting the battles that are, are worthy of my time and worthy of my life? Are there battles that you need me to fight that you want me to step into? And he will answer you even over the next five, ten minutes as we just spend a little bit of time singing. God has those. 
and he wants to give them to you. And so what we're going to do over the next few minutes is we're going to sing a couple of songs. And really, I know especially it's Father's Day and dads don't like singing and men don't like to sing. And, and we're just kind of like, you know that. But I'm just going to say over the next 10 minutes, 10, 10 minutes or so, would you treat the next 10 minutes as a, as a chance for us to really um, declare in an anthemic way who God is and who we are? Would you just open up your heart to the possibility that when you sing songs that declare truth, that is truth throughout the universe, that there's a way for God to sneak in and speak to you in a way that he can't at any other time. Worship does that. Praise does that. That's what we're doing. We're just taking words that are meaningful and putting them into an anthem-like setting where we can just sing and praise God. And we're going to do that right now. And during that, I want you to just be asking God, and even for you women, what battle does God want you to fight? Who are you? does he need you to protect? What adventure does he have for you? Because it's not just men-specific. So let's stand up, and I'm going to turn it over to these guys, and they're going to lead us through the end of the service.